This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It's great to be with you. And I'm your faithful American Muslim patriot, uh, what I believe to be a a quest of reform within the House of Islam. And on Reform This, uh, for those of you that have subscribed and joined me every week to week, I think you're finding that um, there are no subjects that we don't cover here that uh, are too tough or too controversial that this is the place that you'll find reasonable approach to the issues of the day and how we as Americans, and especially those of us who are Muslim, can hold ourselves accountable to the need to reform and the fact that underneath this chasm between the land of Islam, the land of political Islam that rules many Muslim countries, and the land here of freedom and liberty, that there is a chasm that can only be breached through reform. And I can tell you that this week, more than any other, as we celebrate Thanksgiving Day, as we look at that which we are most grateful to have, it is the blessings of God, the blessings of a nation that gives us security, that gives us warmth, that gives us prosperity and the ability to be healthy, to cherish the times with our family, with our kin, with our neighbors, our communities, and our country, to be thankful for those who keep us safe, from the police to the military, domestically and abroad. And on this Thanksgiving Day, I'm reminded this week for those that have celebrated, I hope every one of you do, that what is brilliant about this holiday is the fact that it is such a uniting concept. The wisdom of those who decided to make this a holiday that we celebrate together is that whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, or any faith or no faith, that we're all thankful that we all have gratitude 
that we all share an attitude of compassion and love for our fellow countrymen, our compatriots, those who know that our contract of society, that constitution that we share, is what gives us the ability to be free. That so many have given that ultimate sacrifice, as we talked earlier this year in Memorial Day or a few weeks ago on Veterans Day, that at the end of the day, at the end of this week, we are thankful. We have the greatest gratitude to live in what I believe to be the greatest country in the world. You know, gratitude's a very interesting concept as we just went through a very divisive political season is will the pundits, will those who want to rip us apart take a break? Take a break to remember what we thank God for. Remember what we thank the Almighty, the Creator, or just what we thank each other for. And as somebody who loves my faith and believes in God, I can tell you that this task that I've undertaken, not only on this program, but in all of my work, about reform, about the need for Muslims, no matter whether we're doctors, lawyers, engineers, accountants, teachers, plumbers, whatever it may be that we do, it is our responsibility to give back. It is our responsibility to be thankful. And the Islam I was taught growing up in Wisconsin with my family was my parents taught me in that little town in Nina, Wisconsin, that that thankfulness has three stages in Islam. The first one is basically to realize and appreciate all the blessings that we have in a humble kind of way. The second is to express that thankfulness, to, to say thank you, to to verbalize it and let those around you, and especially God and your prayers, realize that you're thankful. And last is to express that gratitude through righteous deeds, be it uh, helping the sick, be it through charity work, through social change, or those types of changes that live on beyond our own generation. And that's what my work is all about, is what in Islam we call generational legacy of charity, which is not only something to feed individuals for the next day or the next week, but it includes a charity that builds institutions that go on, that builds ideas, that allows that gratitude of today to live on into the next generation so that my children can be thankful and their children can be thankful and they can be safe. It's hard to be thankful if you're not safe. I know as we talk to many of our family in Syria day to day, they're sometimes struggling with being thankful. They often wonder what's happening to them. Why are there hundreds of thousands dying and eight million children without food and and the suffering continues and they wonder if the world's paying any attention. But 
they remember their faith, they remember that for every challenge there will be a light at the end of that tunnel. And I think for those of us living in the the beauty that is America, it is our responsibility, as we do every year, to remember people like our families in Syria that have been suffering. To remember those not only in Syria, but anywhere on the world that have not been blessed with the type of government, with the type of sustenance and economies that we have here, and the ability to truly capitalize and take advantage of the gifts that God gives us. And again, that's part of the gratitude that I learned. Each of us has scripture that tell us about gratitude, and there's no doubt that Thanksgiving comes from the Judeo-Christian founders of America that felt that this country needed a holiday to come together and feel that gratitude. But I can tell you as a Muslim son of immigrants that my faith tradition from the same God of Abraham also taught me gratitude. That ultimately the passage in the Quran that said, the God who created me, who guides me, it is he who feeds me, who gives me drink. When I am ill, it is he who cures me and who will cause me to die and then bring me to life. I hope that he forgives me on my faults in the day of judgment. That's from chapter 26. All of our scripture, I think, has multiple, multiple references to thankfulness and gratitude. But specifically, I, as I tell you about who I am, I think that it is important for us Muslims living in a country like America, as a minority, that we show that that gratitude involves a responsibility, that that gratitude involves a duty to act within the house of Islam, to take that appreciation and turn it into action, not just verbal condemnation of terror and not just an understanding that we have a responsibility, but it, it is those three stages of gratitude. One, understanding. Two, verbal expression. Three, doing the deed. And that deed is countering the ideas of political Islam, countering the precursors to radicalization that include separatism, conspiracy theories, hate of the West, anti-Semitism, all the ideas that I've talked to you week to week on this program. That is what gratitude is about. So as we ate our Thanksgiving turkey this week, I was reminded of this very, very deeply American tradition that took one of the foods and made it into a historical remembrance of gratitude. Yeah, the president pardons the turkey every year to show that we are compassionate, gracious appreciators of gifts of God, including turkey. But it also reminds us that that tradition is an annual remembrance so that when you smell that turkey baking, you'll always remember a gratitude for this country. And I resolve, as I do every year, to do everything I can so that American Muslims can hear our voices, can act, can give back to this country, 
and give back to this world to change the regimes that prevent their populations from being free and understanding the America that we love to give back to their people that live under subjugation of tyranny, of Islamism, of political Islam, of Wahhabism, of monarchical dictatorial regimes of Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and military dictatorships of Egypt and Syria and all those nations that have yet to realize real freedom. That is what I'm thankful for, is that we have the energy and the wherewithal and the resources to fight back against those dictatorships that have taken ownership of our faith, and it's time that we wrestle it back and bring our faith through the reforms that the West went through, and that we begin this process of separating mosque and state. It's going to be a long process, but I think at the end, the process is one of gratitude. If you have enough gratitude and you want your children to live in a society like this one and not be threatened by security concerns domestically and abroad, then Islam will need to reform. Muslims will need to reform against Islamism and bring back Islam to its root principles of Judeo-Christian Islamic ethics of integrity. That's what I'm thankful for, and that's what we're working for every day. We'll be right back. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Reaching the fault lines of today, this is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another segment this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It's always great to be with you. Thank you for joining me. And I want to express my gratitude to you for trusting me, for joining me in this journey, and being a part of our podcast. You know, one of the stories this week that uh, I think exemplifies this division between political Islam and the West is the way Muslim communities, Sunni, Salafi communities, sort of the fundamentalist orthodoxy, of the Sunni faith community treat the heterodox community of uh, the Ahmadis. The Ahmadiyya are, Ahmadiyya are a sect of Islam that 
um, self-identifies as Muslim, uh, that believes in a um, leader that came after the Prophet Muhammad, uh, and as a result, um, in some ways similar to the way the Mormon community is uh, rejected often by Christians, some Christians, even though they self-identify as Christians, uh, the Ahmadiyya community are sadly and unfortunately rejected by many Muslims. And while I'm Sunni, I have, would, would fight to the death that they be recognized and what they call themselves. You know, there's always debates on whether takfir or the ability to decide and articulate who is and who is not a Muslim is something that should be part of the conversation. I do not believe there is debate for that. I think there shouldn't be. People self-describe as a certain faith. We should not judge them for that. They deserve the freedom to define that because the slippery slope of tekfirism is one that has destroyed the Muslim world. Saudi Arabia, Iran, jail Muslims for questioning their leaders because they say they have rejected Islam, not their leaders. They equate questioning legalisms that are done in the name of Sharia or their king or president as questioning Islam, and thus they become apostates or blasphemers. And thus... This slippery slope is unbelievable. And we see in Britain this week, Muslim leaders, Sunnis, called upon Britain to declare that Ahmadiyya is non-Muslim. And they held an event in Luton that uh, called upon imams, counselors, and Muslim communities across Britain to engage the British government and stop considering the Ahmadis as Muslims since they, quote-unquote, rejected mainstream Islamic view of Khatam al-Nabiwat. Khatam al-Nabiwat is Arabic for the end, the seal of the Prophet Muhammad and the prophethoods before him from Abraham to Muhammad. The Ahmadiyya consider their founder to be an Islamic prophet and the Sunnis declared him to be false. And the battle has ensued. The Ahmadiyyas have been persecuted, murdered, tortured in many Sunni Muslim majority countries, including especially Pakistan, Afghanistan, and many countries where they try to live peacefully. And their religion, their Islam, actually has a lot of core reform aspects to it because of its renewed message. Our Muslim reform movement one of the primary elements of it is the ability for Muslims to self-identify. That if they're Muslim, they say they are, then we will not judge them. We may have a debate about various theologies and interpretations from Quran to Hadith and other things, but it is no one's role, either a friend, government, or globally, to decide who is and who is not Muslim. Now, what's happening in Britain? The reason this meeting happened and their declaration is they're starting to get frustrated by the moderate Ahmadiyya's representation in various public ways 
of the Muslim community. So what better way to, in a authoritarian, theocratic way, to prevent them from having access to government than from having the British government give them a nod that these are not Muslims. So find this story, take a look at it, see what's happening, hold Muslims accountable. If a Sunni, Shia, or other Muslim will not identify Ahmadiyya as Muslim, that is a sign of radicalism. If they deny their ability to self-define as Muslims, they do not believe in values compatible with America, with freedom, with liberty and freedom of conscience and the First Amendment especially of our U.S. Constitution. Sure, I might have disagreements with the theology of the Ahmadiyya, with the recognition of their prophet, but they believe in the same book I do. They believe in the Qur'an. Their projects include a lot of reform elements that we talk about. Now, I might disagree with them about jihad. I condemn all violent jihad. I might disagree with them on their concept of the caliphate. I believe that entire concept needs to be thrown into the dustbin of history. But those are internal debates within Islam. That doesn't make them not Muslim. So this story about the British Sunni Islamist establishment trying to marginalize the Ahmadiyya runs at the core of all of you finding ways to define who is and who is not a radical. These Muslim groups that have tried to get the British government to marginalize Ahmadiyya are not violent, but I do think they are radicalizers. There was an Ahmadiyya shopkeeper assassinated last year because he wished Christians a Merry Christmas and a Happy Easter. I'm sorry, he wished them a Happy Easter. And he was not only criticized, but a few hours later then assassinated. These two things aren't unrelated. It is not unrelated that the Sunnis marginalize and commit takfir to call them atheists or apostates of the Ahmadiyya and then to find out that one of their goons decides to assassinate them. This is the volatility of their speech. So they may claim to be nonviolent, but they are radicalizers. Muhammad Zafir Bhatti urged the clerics in London to organize more and more similar events. This event sends a message, he said, that the whole community stands together on this issues of Ahmadis. And it was also attended by many others. So, I call upon our allies, Muslims in the UK, Muslims in Europe, in Canada, in the United States, to stand up and reject this type of takfir, to say that Ahmadiyya are Muslims because they self-identify as Muslims. It is not our role to judge them either way, but to accept them into the role that they define for themselves. That is how you define freedom and liberty. 
Anyone who doesn't do so does not deserve the respect of the West, does not deserve the respect of the American legal system. And if they're trying to come here, should not come here. And if they're here already, should be marginalized as fascists, no different than the Nazi or Communist Party of the United States. The Islamists are fascist, theocratic fascists, and this is one litmus test of who is and who is not an Islamist. Find this story, talk to your Muslim and non-Muslim friends about it, and use it as a litmus test to see, will they sign a declaration that Ahmadis, Ahmadiyya can self-describe themselves as Muslims? This is Zudi Jasser, and I'll be right back. Reaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another segment this week of Reform This. On our special Thanksgiving episode and i hope you all enjoyed your thanksgiving dinners with your family and you know not everyone around the world can celebrate freedom the way we do here this week i was uh, torn by a, a story that uh, reminded me that even the so-called moderate muslim countries are not as moderate as we would think indonesia has many of the substrates of being moderate, especially its core, which is a constitution that does separate mosque and state, that uh, does not mix Indonesian identity with the faith, with the Muslim identity, and Indonesia has, uh, despite significant problems in corruption and other aspects, has, in the Muslim world, had, because of its lack of Arabization of the Wahhabi and Salafi ideology into its mix has somewhat insulated it from that radicalization. But it has its problems, and I don't believe it's getting better. You know, I visited Indonesia when I was a commissioner on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom from 2012 to 2016. Earlier this year, my, ter my second term ended, and I termed out but I saw, the, on the one hand, the great diversity that truly epitomized the motto of it's more than 240 million people that says that their motto is unity in diversity. But then I also saw some of the areas, the towns that were heaped in Sharia law, in which certain laws, especially for blasphemy and other aspects, 
were used as tools to oppress minorities, be it Sunni minorities that had dissenting opinions from the 90% Sunni majority of that country, or the Christians and other faiths that had their speech suppressed in the name of Sharia in a country that separates mosque and state. So these are in enclaves that had impunity from the national law. Well, there was what was thought to be quite a significant progress as a Christian gentleman, a hawk is his name, A-H-O-K, was the first ethnic Chinese governor of Jakarta. And it was amazing that this Christian governor of Jakarta, the capital of the world's largest Muslim-majority country, was named a suspect in a case of alleged blasphemy. The Indonesian police announced this last week. The case involved a hook purnama and caused uproar across the country because many in the country saw that this was going to be a target of the tolerance to target not only a huck, but the tolerance that the country had had. And many said, but of the hundreds of blasphemy cases, only a few had been found innocent, so his fate was not clear. And after a long time, it was recently determined that his case would be tried in open court, and he would face a maximum of five years in jail. Now, during the campaign, when he ran for governor, he had cited chapter 5, Al-Ma'idah, verse 51 from the Qur'an in his campaign. And he said that the verse um, had, he had cited it and that it had been used against him to justify the assertion that Muslims should not be led by non-Muslims since he was non-Muslim. Now, what happened was through the internet and through various media, his comments had been cut and spliced and reproduced in a fictitious way to make it appear that he condemned the Holy Scripture of Muslims. Now, he won the election, but then the case went forward. His winning of the election of a double minority, not only that he was Christian, but that he was Chinese, had been hailed as a symbol of progress. But now that he's going to face trial, Human Rights Watch and others have become very concerned understandably. In 2012, Alexander Aan, a 30-year-old civil servant from Sumatra, was sentenced under the same blasphemy law to two and a half years in prison. And this was simply because on Facebook he had declared that he was an atheist. Now, atheism publicly declared was deemed to be an offensive to, off- offensive to Islam since it wasn't one of Indonesia's six official religions, which includes Protestantism, Catholicism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Confucianism. 
the Chinese Christian governors campaigning for re-election and drawing more and more criticism, including this fabricated audio. So, the question of where this case goes, there's now a hashtag that in Indonesian is kami ahok, and in English it means we are a hawk. And it's trending countrywide earlier this week. Filmmakers have followed his cause, and it looks like the public may be on his side, but the problem is, what about the legal system? So, America needs to weigh in on this case before he gets sent to jail. I can tell you from working cases in Saudi Arabia and others as we tried to get President Obama, Secretary Kerry, and others to help people like Rafe Bedoui, once they get behind bars, it is a thousand times harder to do anything about it. None of them, none of them have been able to get out once they've been in, all the prisoners that we follow. So this case in a country that has a lot at stake, now that he's been charged and is going to face trial, America needs to weigh in on this and tell the Indonesian police and their court system that this is not the Indonesia we know and will set it either on a, cord, uh, on a course towards Shariaization or Islamization of Islamism or to again stand up for diversity and Indonesia's motto, which is unity through diversity. I can't tell you enough how much these cases of uh, blasphemy and others are, are, are just central to the battle that we're fighting. Look it up. Follow cases like this because they are the dissidents of our time. Just like in the Cold War, we had our Solzhenitsyns, we had our Natan Sharansky's, Cases like this are going to, in the future, be looked back upon as sentinel cases for freedom and liberty. Sentinel cases that reminded us of what we have to be thankful for here in the West and what we have to fight for globally, which is the scourge of political Islam, Islamic theocracy, not only in obvious theocracies like Iran and Saudi Arabia, but in the so-called democracies like Indonesia that are starting to be penetrated deeper and deeper with rules of theocracy that need to be held to account. And Indonesia, for that reason, was still on a watch list on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. I hope they pay attention to the Ahok case and what it means for where Indonesia is going. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for joining me week to week. I'll be back next week with Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. God bless you and your family, and God bless the United States of America. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.